Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by WinBet. Download the WinBet app today. Enter promo code 444 and receive a risk-free $1,000 bet. Joining me as always, Connor Allen. Connor, what's going on, buddy? Looking to uh, move on from week three and uh, get week four started. How about you? Yeah, I mean, week three wasn't great in the prop streets, but uh, I was happy to see your Patriots get buried last week. <laughs> and uh, after week two, if you just absolutely you know dismantling me on this show, it was good to see you take a few L's here and there. I, I I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, my closing line value, which you failed to, to jump on board with, um, did cash in a big way. So hopefully we can get you on board for. I don't think you got anything with me this week either, but hopefully we get you next week and get you some uh, some best of the number. God knows you could use it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> excited to uh, unpack week four. Um, excited with this one. Our friend over at Awesome, we could find all of his fantasy and betting content. It is Lofty D himself, Dave Lockham. What's going on, Dave? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to talk some betting. It's usually a lot of DFS fantasy football, but uh, I like to dip my toes in these waters, especially for week four. It's been a weird season so far through the first three weeks, man. There's like 25 teams. You don't even know if they're good or bad or if they're frauds or not. So, yeah. Yeah, you can dip your toes in all of it here. You can give us a little bit of DFS sprinkles here and there. We just want to be, uh, you know, a little bit to, to everybody. We are, again, doing now two shows a week. This is the... Game by game preview. You can get a little bit more hand in the dirt football guy talk. Um, both available in podcast form and YouTube as well. And then on Friday, we're going to be back around 7.45 Eastern. We get a little bit more nitty gritty in the prop streets um, as they slowly trickle out. Actually, they trickle out slowly last week and they're trickling out pretty heavy so far today. Um, hopefully, there's some meat left on the bone for Friday. So don't forget to subscribe. I'll be a pal. Take 30 seconds, rate and review. Uh, head over to 444.com slash plans as well. You can find out how to access all of our tools. Uh, the betting sub actually gives you access to everything on the site. So you'll get all of our DFS stuff, redraft, uh, rankings, projections, all of that stuff. So uh, like Dave said, week three was wonky. We, we still don't know uh, what these teams are doing. It was a good week for the dogs, nine and seven against the number seven winning outright. Uh, makes a lot of sense nowadays just to, if you like a team getting the points, uh, back them on the money line. Unders came in in a big way last week. 12 teams scored fewer than 20 points. Uh, 11 of the 16 games went under the closing line. So we uh, hopefully have a bounce back there too, especially early in the season last couple of years. Seen a lot of overs. So uh, let's jump into it. We start with the uh, Lockers team here. We'll start with the uh, Chiefs on the road against the Eagles. Uh, the Philly is seven and a half point home dogs here. 54 and a half is the total KC one and two, just like everyone thought by themselves in last place in the AFC West. They should have won that one last week. Connor, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think this go, this one is uh, if you were able to catch a seven here for KC, I like them at, at minus seven, but so far Kansas city offense, fourth in yards per play, second in EPA offensively, but so far their defense is coming up way, way short and kind of what we talked about in the off season, continue to struggle dead last in EPA defensively and yards per play. Um, Philly, on the other hand, they've looked good at times on offense. They've looked very bad at times on offense. Um, you know, their metrics kind of reflect that for the most part. Uh, it's, I mean, that's my biggest question is, can they take advantage of uh, the uh, Chiefs defense here? And so for me, I, I lean towards Kansas City at minus seven. I do think, though, that uh, there are some props that can be in play here. Some The Hertz yardage props continue to drop lower and lower. Um, you know, you're, lo- you're looking at like 230 yards at this point. So, I mean, I think that some overs there in play as well. Uh, and so, yeah, probably those are my biggest takes of the game. 
You're muted, right? You're muted, Noon. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Two minutes Rookie in. Move, we already man. got it. We oh, already got move. it. Oh. See, that's a Connor Allen special right yes. there. I'm not proud of that yes. at all. Oh, I'm not man. Proud it's going to be a good all. week. It's going to be a good week. Oh, boy. Negative five units locked in for me. Connor, <laughs> Connor Allen special. Oh, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Chiefs dominated, though. I mean, they drove in to Charger territory on seven of their first eight drives. Uh, you can't turn it over. Turn it over on their first three possessions. Obviously, a late turnover, too. Kind of flipped that one. But, uh, again, they've been there. They kind of kicked it away against Baltimore, too. But talk to me about this one, uh, Lafayette. I mean, I want to know what you're thinking about the Eagles. That was a, a rough spot on Monday night. Yeah, they stink, man. But here's the thing. <laughs> Do you really think the Chiefs are going to one and three? Because – like I'm not a narrative-driven guy, but there's a couple for this game that kind of makes sense. First of all, Chiefs falling to one and three. I don't care if they're playing at the link. Yeah, it's loud, and there's going to be some excited fans there, maybe through the first quarter until it's 21 nothing. I mean, look, is it possible that the Eagles keep this game competitive? Sure, but Nick Sirianni's done an awful job of play calling outside of Week One, and that's the only reason. He, the only reason that his play calling was 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 sufficient there is because Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator made big adjustments in the second half and made it so Matt Ryan, whose arm is dust at this point anyway, couldn't move the football. But the way I see it is the Eagles, if they're going to stay competitive here, you've got to control the foot. you got to control the clock. You can't keep turning the ball. You can't keep giving the ball back to Kansas City. And how are you going to do that when you're down Jordan, probably down Mailata, you're down Brandon Brooks, you're down uh, Sayamalu, literally more than half of your offensive line uh, or three three of the five of, of this offensive line are down. Miles Sanders saw two carries last game. He's the most dynamic and explosive weapon on this team. I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I get that, you know, we could assume this is competitive, but there's no way Kansas City goes to one and three. There's very simply no way that the Eagles are going to be able to stop them. They have no linebacking core. Uh, I don't see how they slow down Travis Kelsey. And when it comes to Clyde Edwards Alaire, he fumbled for the second time in the season last week, and Andy Reid went right back to him, gave him 11 carries after that fumble. He's got, he's, he keeps going back to me. It's 17 carries in the loss. I like over 58 and a half rushing yards for Clyde Edwards Alaire. Zeke and Pollard racked up 155 rushing yards on the ground on 28 carries, almost six yards per attempt. I like that a lot. And I am doing this. I'm not, not hitting the seven, but I do have a three team teaser, six and a half point with, uh, the bill or bills get them down to nine and a half. The Chiefs, all they need to do is win. You get it at 0.5. And then the Titans, I'm not too worried about those pass catchers against an anemic Jets team. Get that down to 0.5. So all they need to win, do is win. And the, the bills, uh, nine and a half. So I have that going, but I'm not betting this one straight. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I did the same with the Packers. I think the Packers can be in that mix too. They're right in that perfect teaser zone as well. You, you can't run the ball three times. Like, I don't care what the game script Awful. is, you know. I, I was really excited after week one because we talked last year, like the Jalen Hurts thing was last year was just either tuck and run or just like prayer yards, right? It was just like massive deep shots. And then they come out and then they scheme this really nice game plan against the Falcons where it's like almost negative A dot stuff. Like Rager had like a negative A dot, but they were really smart. Like they set him up and what happened? They were efficient. His completion percentage over expectation was really high. Like, I'm I'm really I'm feeling good about this all of a sudden. Maybe this guy he's not good at pressers, but maybe he's actually good at his job, which is all that matters. I don't care what he does at a press conference. And then week two against a really bad Niners secondary that's completely depleted, just loses Jason Verrett. He goes back to the prayer yards thing, and we're just chucking deep down the field. 
So that was really frustrating to see. And it wasn't really encouraging last night either. So hopefully they can kind of find their way. I know Connor is in on uh, some of the, there's some Eagles props that you've caught early here that you like too. Yeah, I took Ertz over 20 receiving yards. Uh, I mean, he's run more routes than Goddard the last two weeks. Uh, he had seven targets last week as well. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs aren't aren't all that good defensively, as I mentioned prior. So I think that that's just Generous. the numbers. The numbers like 15-ish yards too low, in my opinion. So uh, I, I like the over there. Chiefs are plus 100 to win the division. Wow. Interesting, right? I mean, it was yeah. like, I know that they buried a hole, you know, for themselves. And, uh, you know, they – Chargers are obviously good, and we've seen a nice start from the other, you know, the Raiders and the Broncos as well. But this is a team, it was like minus 700, 750 or so in the preseason, and now we're getting plus money three weeks in. Pretty interesting. All right, to move on now. Big one here. This is a tough one to handicap. Houston on the road against Buffalo, 16 over at Winbats, 47 is the total. The largest opening spread of any game so far this season. I don't really know of many instances where I'm super comfortable laying 16, 17 points, but they, I'm also not backing Davis Mills here on the road. We kind of saw the Bills team we were expecting early in the season last week. Josh Allen just kind of lit it up. Um, he scored on eight of 11 possessions against the Washington defense that we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, the one thing that's a little concerning still on Allen, he's, he's completing a league low 20% of his passes that are 15 or more yards down the field. So we're still seeing – a little bit of that accuracy issues that we saw in the first couple of years. Be interesting to see if that kind of stabilizes here over the course of the season. But uh, Lafay, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm not comfortable with this one. <clears throat> Excuse me. I th- this is why I don't mind teasing it down a little bit. Like if you get it under 10, you you have to think the Bills still blow the doors off this team, right? I mean, Davis Mills is objectively not good, and he's young. That's understandable. But aside from Brandon Cooks. What does this team have? Like they have no no run game to speak of. Uh, Davis Mills got flattened against Carolina. I'm surprised he walked off the field in all seriousness on multiple occasions. He took a couple of big ones. Oh yeah, yeah, a couple really big hits. You got to give the guy credit though. I mean, there's a warrior out there. <laughs> hey, not throwing the football, but I mean, the guy can get back up. <laughs> they have Tre'Davious like. If they want to eliminate Cooks from this game, and I do think Cooks is legitimately quarterback proof, just in the sense that he's got what a, almost a fifty percent target share with Davis Mills on their center, they're just going to try and pepper him. But it's not going to be enough. You don't. Anthony Miller, sure, he had an okay game. He was good for you know on a showdown slate for you know DFS. But aside from that, none of these guys are viable enough to move the football. So if I had to take a side, it sounds crazy. I'd lay the 16, but 16 is a lot of points when you have those garbage time type production spots in the final few drives in the fourth quarter when the Bills, I mean, in all seriousness, could could sit some of these starters with 10 minutes left to go. So I'm not comfortable there, but if I'm taking one side, like you said, how do you back Davis Mills? How do you back this Texans team right now? You just can't do it. Yeah, it's hard just – anything in the NFL with with this type of number, but you're right. It probably is. If you got into like the 17, 17 and a half, Texans are probably the right side to bet, but man, you got to have a, a stronger stomach than I do. Connor, do you have any thoughts here? Yeah. I think when we originally made the show sheet or I made it on, on Monday, uh, it was at 17. And so some people, I, I don't know who those people are, but the people who just bet numbers, <laughs> I'm like, they must not watch the game uh, because that is just something like that's, I can't do it. I, I couldn't take a plus seven. I couldn't take the Texans in any scenario after what we saw last week. Now Davis Mills going up against the Buffalo defense. 
second in defensive EPA so far, third in yards per play allowed, second in total quarterback pressures. Uh, I mean, I think Mills is just going to be dismantled. Like you said, Cooks is the only viable target here. And, you know, Mills has continued to just pepper him with targets here and there. So if Tredavious White is kind of taking him out of the equation, like Mills' floor is really, really low here. Like we're talking like 100 yards low uh, or or less potentially. So I, I like the under two on his yards. I've been waiting to fire at that. But that's something I'll probably take under on as well. It's like 200 something still uh, in this spot. My only concern is that Buffalo runs up the score so much that you know, somehow the Texans have so many possessions that they're able to at least get like, you know, 14 points and, and Mills somehow puts something together. They opened the game up a little bit last year or last week at the end of like the first half and like someone in the second half. But again, that was with Carolina, like losing JC Horn. And that I think that kind of played into it as well. So I'm really taking the under here. And I think that even team total under 15 and a half, I think that's in play. Would you take, would you take 20 and a half points with tech with, with uh, Houston? Oh man! I mean, at, at that point, I might have to consider it. Just pray twenty and a half. It's a lot of points. Yeah, of points. I mean that that'd probably be the point where I would have to I'd have to look at it. You have to take him at twenty and a half. I think. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, even seventeen and a half, like it's really gross, For but sure. it's definitely not below seventeen. You get under seventeen though, and it's yeah, you're looking Buffalo there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing if we can find a something under 31 and a half for a team total for Buffalo. Cause I think they can hang a pretty crooked number and they were in this new found zone where we have you know, team totals North of 30. But if I can get under that key number, I would think 31 would be the place to do so. Um, just kind of banking on the bills who were pretty relentless, even getting up last week early on, on Washington, they still threw a ton late in the game. It's just kind of how they operate. I mean, there's so many plays there. I know that they ran a little bit more with Zach Moss's back. I think you'll probably see a little less of Josh Allen on the ground, but in that game with positive game scripts, you still saw a guy like Beasley handle, I think he had 13 targets. I 13, mean, they were, yeah. yeah, they were up early, early 21 zip. So there's a, you know, that's a, a prop that I'm going to be looking at when he, when he pops, if he hasn't already. So, all right. Uh, Texans, or I'm sorry, Titans on the road against the Jets. Uh, Lafayette already mentioned this one. Uh, Jets getting sevens. Another one where we could talk about how many points do we need to consider back in Jets. Uh, 44 is the total. These Derrick Henry targets, guys, are <laughs> sexy. We got like a Love 15% it. target share for, for the big dog. And, and you might see that bump this week. I don't know what's going on there. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, we don't really know the status there. This Jets team is a wreck. They lost Marcus May, basically one of their only noteworthy guys in the back half defensively uh, at safety. I just I don't know what's happening with this Jets team, but uh, this one's kind of gross too, Lafayette. What do you think? Oh, it's disgusting. I, the, the Julio Jones, I mean, this is the type of guy that is often sat out middle of the week practices, so I'm not banking on him being out quite yet, but it does seem like his status is in jeopardy. And it's hard to believe that there's any chance. I don't see A.J. Brown playing at all. I, I don't see that happening. But when you've got a guy like Derrick Henry, you mentioned the targets. Do you know he has the 12th most targets among all running backs? I, you're talking about a guy that, that had 41 touches in a game. Thir- was it 35 carries? And now he might get four or five targets per game? It, it's, it's insane. I mean, Todd Downing, their offensive coordinator, I don't know if, you know, coming in and supplanting Arthur Smith, if this guy said, hey, listen, uh, I know it'd be nice to get you some breaks on passing downs, but you're actually not, he's not that bad of a pass catcher is the thing. Yeah. They just, right, they never needed to use him. I the, the thing, this is what I keep coming back to, right? Seven points on the road, given the, the troubles that we've seen the Titans have when it comes to pass blocking, 
and then you could be down West. Uh, sorry, you could be down Julio Jones and AJ Brown. That concerns me. But on the other side of this, have we seen anything? I mean, anything. And and Connor, maybe you could answer this question. But have you seen anything about the New York Jets whatsoever that suggests that they can move the football and score? They have the third worst red zone efficiency in the league this year, which is surprising to me because I thought it would be at zero percent because they haven't been in the red zone this season. Right. Like that's how bad it feels like they've been. I, I don't see how Zach Wilson moves the football. They have no run game to speak of. And Elijah Moore could be out. Not that that makes a difference at this point. Yeah. Like, seriously, yeah. what is there? What is there other than Corey Davis, who you can't get the football because defenses can just key in on the guy? No, yeah, there's there's nothing. I mean, I, I my big only point here was that so far the Jets have played against the Panthers, the Patriots, and the Broncos. So if you look at those defenses, the like the Panthers defense and Broncos defense are probably, you know, top like fringe top five units and the and the Patriots even look like they're like a fringe top 10 unit so I think that if you do want to go that route like you know maybe they played against a really tough tough you know group to start then this Tennessee defense has kind of been like a bottom 10-ish unit so far but again I mean that's really uh I think that's pushing it considering their offensive line situation without Beckton and like you said they're they're receiving options like aren't even getting open really they're not able to move the ball at all uh like Wilson isn't throwing the ball where it needs to be it's there's a lot going on there so yeah I'm I'm definitely not comfortable taking any overs on the Jets or anything. Like even a team total of whatever, or anything over 17 and a half feels rich. Um, and right now it's looking at like 18 and a half. So even against a Tennessee Titans defense, as I mentioned, is not that good. Um, I'm, I'm not interested in that at all. I would probably lean towards t- the Tennessee side here at seven. Uh, but again, I think that's probably why this is only seven and not 10 is that the Titans defense is really not all that good. And that there is a chance that maybe the Jets show some kind of life here. Like marginal, you know, like maybe they score like yeah. 17 points. I don't hate the under here either, though, in this game, because yeah. if you're smart and if you're Tennessee, right, if you're downing, you would probably look to lean extraordinarily heavy on Derrick Henry. That's that's the way I said. I don't know why you right. wouldn't. Guys like him and Nick Chubb might not have the greatest first half, and then they wear a defense down to the point where the guys don't even want to tackle them in the third and fourth quarter. That's hyperbole, obviously, but you can't you can't stop them late in the game. And uh, if you just run the clock, play at a relatively slow pace, if you're down both receivers, I could see this being one of the lower scoring games of the week for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. That's kind of my favorite play here too, is is the under. I mean, the Jets haven't scored a touchdown since the fourth quarter of week one. We've gone eight quarters without a touchdown. Is that their only touchdown of the season? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) They, They also, like, the defense is okay. Like, they're middle of the pack so far in most of the key metrics. But they are inheriting the worst starting field position in the league by a pretty good amount, like 10 yards, basically ahead of league average every time. Like it's hard to keep burying, like you know, unburying yourself from that every time you, you know, you get on, on the field. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, especially if we have any, you know, AJ Brown or we have less than hundred percent Julio, they probably melt away. You know, this is a 30, 35 touch Derrick Henry game. And even though the Titans defense is a, a team that we probably want to target more times than not, it definitely feels like an underspot, especially since it's still in the mid forties instead of down in the low forties. We're down in like the you know forty twos, forty one and a half, or something like that. Like that makes way more sense to me. But forty four, like I don't think we get there. I don't think either team really needs to get there. So I'm with you. There's some forty sixes out there too. I saw forty six, mm. or maybe you know what? Actually, last I looked, it may have it may have just pl- it may have cratered. It's very possible that it, it had cratered. So yeah, that would make sense, right? 
Yeah, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Sure. Also, yeah. I mean, on that note, Derrick Henry carries, if if you do find them, I don't really see any right now out, but uh, anything less than like 20, some, like 21, 22 seems low, considering they could probably just run them, you know, 30 times to get out of there. For sure. Yeah, it did. It opened at 46. It's down to 44 from what I'm okay. saying. So that makes, that makes sense. A little, a little less intrigued by that, but I'm with you, Ryan. I don't think this game – it's hard to, unless it's just a route, but I don't even know if I feel comfortable thinking Tennessee routes them either. No, I agree. I agree with that. Just kind of a stay away, right? It's like pound Derrick Henry and DFS um, and kind of wait and see if, what else happens there. Uh, Corey Davis revenge game. I don't know. I don't know if I have the balls for that one. Uh, maybe we'll I'd, be pissed they, I'd be pissed if I went to the Jets too. You know? Oh, I know. <laughs> okay, cash and checks, man. That's all that matters. That's true. Hopefully we get some good ones later. We got another stinger. We got the Giants on the road in New Orleans. Uh, Saints have moved up to seven and a half point favorites here. This total is down at 41 and a half. This is one of those spots I jumped on and look ahead. It's got Saints minus five. Uh, feel pretty good about that. I don't know that I chase seven and a half, but Saints have had some uneven games so far. Obviously returning home after a month on the road is going to be a good thing. Giants keep finding creative ways to lose, which is uh, something that we can expect from them probably to continue. But, um, you know, I'd imagine the loss of Blake Martinez is not going to help them out uh, moving forward. It could be a, a rough spot for them. But I don't know what's happened to Jameis. He's almost been neutered a little bit. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts here, Luffy? I This was one of my concerns coming into the season, that Sean Payton would try and kind of curtail that reckless side of Jameis. And I think it's working to 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 a certain extent they've been probably they've been one of the most enigmatic teams in the league though right like you just talked about the lopsided w- wins and losses they smoke green bay uh alvin kamara sees 20 carries they get smoked by carolina alvin kamara hardly touches the ball and then alvin kamara sees 24 carries which is a career high he's seen 20 carries once in his career before this season now he's seen it twice in three games with one of them being a career high so it looks like sean payton is working with what he has and uh, doesn't want Jameis Winston to get out of control. And I get that, right? Seven and a half is a lot. But when you look at this Giants team and an offense that has already struggled and then a strong Saints defense, you're very likely not going to have Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton this week. Mm -hmm. Evan Ingram has just pulled a Houdini. The guy's disappeared for the last (laughs) few seasons if he's on the field, right? And then you have Kenny Galladay, who's just interminably dealing with a hip injury. Like I don't, and, and then Saquon Barkley didn't practice because he's got the knee injury. I'm assuming he'll be fine, and this is just maintenance. But I don't have very much confidence in this offense to move the ball. Would you guys be shocked if we saw a similar scenario play out to the Patriots game with the Saints last week? I I don't think I would be shocked by that at all. No, that's a, that's a good point. I think that that you're probably going to see something similar. This Giants offense, I have like no faith in, and the Saints defense has looked. Uh, you know, pretty strong at times. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really have too much of a take on this game. I think that seven, seven and a half is about right. Um, I'm, you know, obviously get the better of the number if you are considering taking a side. Lean towards the under as well. Uh, if you can catch the hook on the Giants team total at 17 and a half, I probably lean under on that. Um, but at 17, it's, pro- it's probably a stay away as well. Yeah, this is a, a gross one for sure. I, I think it's going to see Saquon bounce back. But again, I was surprised that the Saints still were really solid against the run last week. And Marcus Davenport out for the year. Um, they still really locked down Damian Harris. That game was another one that was weird. Like the Packers one was weird with Aaron Rodgers back-to-back picks. And like they were returned almost as if they were punts and just gave the Saints a short field. 
Uh, last week he had like the first play of the third quarter was a dropped Jonu Smith, a ball that went right into the hands for a pick six. Like that just completely changed the entire narrative of the game. Like game flow was down. They were down anyway at the half and it just kind of, it flipped the entire thing. So they, we haven't really got a good feel for the saints yet. And yeah. um, I feel like I got a pretty good feel for the giants. And like Laffy said, with these injuries, like I don't feel very good about either side of the ball. And we were, this is a team we were down on coming into the year anyway, with the offensive line issues. I thought a lot of the defensive gains last year were, weren't very sticky. They were a little noisy based on who they were playing. So um, we'll continue to, to short the Giants whenever we can. Speaking, yes, speaking of ahead. Saquon, did you think that uh, I don't, every time I watch him run, it seems like he's like slipping now. Like he tries to make his like normal cut and he just like falls down. He like, like his, his mind is trying to move faster than his body can move at this point. And he still looks good. He looks like, you know, 75, 80% Saquon, but like, I don't know. He's not all the way back in my opinion. Maybe I'm just crazy, but I, 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 he just keeps like slipping. It's strange. I don't think he's back either. I think yeah. you've seen the production last week in space where you can get him the football as a pass catcher, but on the ground as a ball carrier. You saw that one 41-yard run, but uh, two weeks ago, aside from that, I don't love it. What I will say, though, is if you're looking in the prop market, I don't see any rushing attempt props for Alvin Kamara, but I don't know if I, – I could be wrong. I'm not sure if they'll have caught up on on Alvin on this offense quite yet. I mean, they may have, but like if you're seeing props out there, you know, 14 and a half rushing attempts, or I don't remember, I don't know if you guys remember what it was last week. I don't, but like 14, even 15 and a half rushing attempts. I, I think if Kamara is just going to continue to get fed, uh, given the way that this offense is functioning. So I like, and it's minus 110 right now, so over 75 and a half rushing yards for Kamara. He hasn't been effective as a rusher, and his yards per carry is a career low right now, which I don't feel good about. But you have to think that can turn around. I mean, 3.4 yards per carry. He's never been close at 5 yards, 4.7, 4.6, 6.1. Granted, lesser volume, and, and with more volume, you're usually going to see that come down a bit. But when you're somebody that is getting the amount of carries he has, you know, 20 for 83, 24 for 89, like this is assuming that he's wildly inefficient in this game, and, and I don't think that'll be the case. So – uh, 75 and a half rushing yards. I like the over on that a lot. I think he could smash that actually. And my only concerns with those is that, so uh, Taron Armstead, they're like all world tackle. Yeah. He's hurt. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think Eric McCoy, they're starting centers back yet. He might be. I don't know if he's practicing today, but losing those two guys hurts. But I, I get where you're at on this one because I don't trust anything that the Giants have defensively to stop him. And they are kind of taking the ball out of Jameis's hand. And in a game where, you know, this I think is a seven to ten point win for the Saints at least. Uh, it makes it makes a lot of sense. I mean, because his efficiency historically has been yeah way exceeding what he's done so far this year. Like he can break one or two, and then all of a sudden you're you're cooking with gas. He's already at 50, 60 yards on uh, only a handful of carries. And it's really just a volume thing for me too. Yeah. Right? Like you're you're more than a touchdown favorite against a bad team that probably won't be able to move the football. If we've seen anything from Peyton through the first few weeks, we know that the game plan will be to force feed Alvin Kamara in the run game. So I'll take my chances on maybe limited efficiency, but just volume to to control the game. That makes sense. All right, next one. Uh, Indy on the road in Miami. Miami's one and a half point favorites at home. 43 is the total. Uh, Jacoby Brissett led Miami to their best offensive performance of the season, which is not surprising, Connor. Um, you know, we have to get rid of Tua. Start to get some stuff going there. Uh, although I, I will say that I had a Raiders three and a half last week, so that late uh, rushing fourth and goal touchdown from Brissett definitely uh, took the wind out of the sails in the late window there. 
knowing that, you know, the OT, we're typically going to get a field goal to end it. And sure enough, we did. But, um, you know, Peyton Barber had a career day against this defense. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. This is this is, uh, this is your Super Bowl. This is your Super Bowl pick, Connor. So you okay. To- that, that's not fair at this point. That's not fair. We, we've seen what we've seen. Uh, you Would know, you have and- the Colts to win the Super Bowl? No, I, I I like the Dolphins oh, as, as a long shot, okay. uh, you know. But now at this point, I've you know reversed course pretty quick and uh, <laughs> can burn those uh, tickets to keep you warm in this winter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That then uh, plenty of others. Uh, so yeah, it's no, it's they, both these teams at this point. I'm kind of down on relative to the market, so I don't oh, yeah. I don't really know what to make of this game. I mean, I have very little faith in Brissett to push the ball downfield. I, I get that the matchup is a little bit better than some of the other ones, but still he's averaging only like, you know, three to four yards per attempt at this point. Um, and Miami's offense so far has just been brutal in terms of like yards per play and EPA. Um, Colts offensive D and defense are both in the twenties for most statistical categories. Um, so, and I mean, we saw Wentz last week, like it looked painful for him to like turn around and hand the ball off. Like literally it looked like it was a struggle to do that. Um, I was surprised that they didn't even try and get more pressure on him, but he didn't look good at all. Uh, and so I, my only thing would be if I could count on the Dolphins getting pressure on him or count on them to, you know, really scheme towards uh, defending an immobile quarterback, uh, I would feel confident in Miami, but uh, I don't think that they can, or at least I'm not confident in it. So I'm probably just staying away from this one. Maybe better Wentz under if the right number pops, but uh, that's about it for me. What do you got, Lavi? Yeah, I don't have a good read on this game. I really don't. I mean, one, you have Jacoby Brissett. On the other, you have a, a dude that's playing on two sprained angles, which how does that even happen? Like, how do you, <laughs> how do you sprain two angles at the same time? It's it's remarkable, really. And then you've got just Michael Pittman's been great. I, I'm really happy to see that because I believe he can be a legitimate alpha in this offense. But on the other side, you have Jalen Waddle, who, I mean, sure, you get 12 receptions on 13 targets or whatever it was. You average four yards per, per reception. Like, there's Nothing's happening with that. Uh, Will Fuller's not practicing. He's your deep threat. I know Brissett targeted him a couple of times. They couldn't really hook up on the deep ball. Like They do have weapons, but I think this is just neutral, great game script, and I, I would assume that you see a heavy run, running approach from both of these teams. The problem is because I, I, I'm with Connor. I don't feel good about. I'm not t- picking sides on this one. And the 43 is a tough number because I, I just I think this game is played slow, and I think it stays a lot on the ground, just given the quarterback situation on both sides. But 43 is a low number. I, I was actually looking at Jonathan Taylor uh, rushing attempts props, but he's got 15 and a half with juice minus 140 to the over. Like that seems. 15 and a half seems like a lot, even in a neutral game script with how much Naeem Hines has been involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 25 uh, touches, I think, in week one, and now he's got 25 combined in the last two weeks. Yeah. Like, that's just not – that's not okay. Like, I what don't do you have 11 last doing. week? The, the yeah. Marlon Mack stuff got out of the way, but, like, it was really weird in week two. All of a sudden, we're getting all these Marlon Mack snaps on – especially on passing downs. It was just – it's bizarre. Like, we saw – we have 24 – percent target share in week one and then it's been three percent both of the last two weeks and i get it i get what well, Hines is going to take some of that but like it's like the the henry thing like taylor is an adequate catcher he is your best playmaker really like get him the ball find ways and this is an offense and a coaching staff that we we all just kind of believe is sharp and knows what they're doing and it just sometimes it's very it's very surprising you're going to be without quentin nelson in this one i think they have some other injuries there as well 
I know it's not technically September. This will be an October game, but Miami early in the year is sometimes a problem for teams. It's still unseasonably warm there. This is the second of a third three straight road games for the Colts. Like they, they play next week at Baltimore. I am begging you all. You can still, you can bet Baltimore next week, minus six and a half at home against the Colts. This is a third straight road game for the Colts. Please jump on Baltimore in the look aheads right now. Do it on your phone while you listen to us. Uh, That six and a half is going to be gone. I mean, it'll, it'll close it, you know, eight or whatever, but um. I can yeah, get on board I'm, with that. I'm on Miami. I'm on Miami. This one's not. It's a team. Colts that might been, go 0 5. 0 5. I can't imagine how they. I think they're the only only two teams. I think this year even have three straight road games, and the Colts wow. kind of have to jump. You want to know something really sad? So um, to start the year, when I heard the Wentz like speculative news, I put like whatever a hundred bucks on the Colts to be the worst team in the NFL at 250 to one. <laughs> yeah, and then I. I, instead of just letting it play out because everyone got healthy, I cashed out at like four X or whatever, like three X. Oh, and I was like, I was like, you know what, whatever. Like they're not gonna be the worst in the NFL. Like I'll just take my three times my money and be happy with it. Now. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm sitting here like they could be the worst team in the NFL. If like things keep tumbling the way they're yeah. tumbling. Wow. Well, defensively, we knew they were a problem, right? It was Xavier Rhodes who last year had his first good year in, in a half a decade. And then it was really it. It's a really, uh, really bad secondary. They kind of manufacture pressure pretty well. They added, you know, Quiddy Pay in the draft. Like they were hoping to get a little bit more pressure. But then Rhodes goes down right away. It's Rocky Sin and a bunch of nobodies back there. Like they can't get pressure. It's, you know, like DeForest Buckner's a baller. Like, you know, that's indisputable. And, you know, and, and Leonard's a, a baller too at, at linebacker, but it's not enough. Like you, you, you can find ways to scheme plays outside of those guys, get the ball out quick. And I don't know, I think Brissett is, is not that much of a downgrade from Tua. Um, you know, no shot at Connor and his, his Tua love. But like, I, I think Miami less than three here makes some sense uh, against this Colts team. I just want to continue to fade. I'm in on Pittman though with you, with you, Lafayette. Like I, I grabbed Pittman's propped about an hour before we started. We have him. Uh, significantly higher than his number at 48 and a half. Um, I know he's popping in Herms Meyers by low air yards model, which is always good to see. So that's one that's out there that I think is worth your time. Yeah. Another one is um, four and a half receptions. Is it plus plus one twenty five right now? And this guy under, with Carson Wentz has a 35 and a half percent target share. I, that's a huge number. So I, that's a big, big number. Wentz is not looking to Campbell, even though he's targeted his slot receivers a lot in the past. You have no real tight ends that you're targeting, and like Jack Doyle, T.Y. Hilton's still out. Unless you're looking towards like a Zach Pascal, I, I, I like the over. You said his his yardage probably was forty eight and a half. Yeah, yep. I mean, I'll take all overs on Pittman going forward if they're going to keep shorting him like that, given that he's getting targeted double digit times and Wentz is on the field. Yeah, thirty and thirty five percent target share the last two weeks. So. Absolutely yeah. love that. Um, all right, next, Washington football team on the road against the Falcons. Falcons are short home dogs here, one and a half, 47 and a half is the total. I don't know. We, we kind of banked on Washington, Connor, being good defensively, and um, we should know better. The defensive stats aren't sticky, but, like, I didn't think it would be this bad. We're looking at 29th in yards per drive, points per drive through the first three weeks. They are 30th in EPA per play. 30th in plays per drive and 30th in three and outright. They can't get off the field. Um, 
you know, the Falcons haven't been a team that we've been really encouraged by either. We thought that, you know, even though the loss of Julio, we were expecting Arthur Smith to be able to design some stuff, but uh, they've been a pretty big disappointment as well. What are your thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, I think that's the biggest note is that like, I mean, they were fourth in EPA last year defensively and one of the top teams and getting pressure on quarterbacks. Now, I mean, they just, they're one game removed from letting up 29 points to the Giants uh, and they just got, you know, boat raced by the by the Bills. And I think that, you know, if you kind of look at those games like, okay, they got up 20 to the Chargers, 43 to the Bills. Then it's like 29 to the Giants and they haven't looked good at all. And it's like maybe this defense just isn't good. And that's kind of the issue is that maybe last year was an outlier. Um, the issue is that on the other hand, you know, Atlanta dead last in offensive DVOA, 30th in EPA, 20th in yards per play. Um, their play calling has been abysmal. Matt Ryan hasn't been throwing the ball downfield at all. Like, is he going to even like, are they going to be able to take advantage of that? Uh, and that's a serious question that I, I think that we just don't really know. And so uh, I, for me, I, I'm personally staying, staying away from this. I think that, um, I just don't know who's like, who's going to win here, the bad defense who's played bad or the, the bad offense who, I guess hypothetically pl- could play good at any time, but has shown us nothing that we should think like that. So uh, for, for me, I'm just pretty much out on this game. Yeah. Matt Ryan yet to complete a pass 20 yards down the field. Lafie. Yeah. Well, Connor took the words out of my mouth. Either it's going to be a 17, 10 game, or it's going to be like a 35 to 31 game, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's just either these defenses that have been absolute sieves, can't hold up because Heineke's not good, but it's not to say he can't put points against the bad defense. You know, we saw it against the Giants and, mm-hmm. you know, but I have no good feel for this game at all. And because th- it could go either way. Washington's run defense has held up to the point where that hasn't been their biggest issue. Right. And their pass rush has still been been more than serviceable. But they're one of the worst teams in pass coverage this year, and it's not even close. Like, they're easy bottom five. And you can't just look at it and be like, well, they only face good teams. Yeah, the Bills are good, no doubt. Chargers, solid enough team. But the Giants, the Giants just smoked them in terms of Daniel Jones on the ground. But also, I mean, he had a lot of what he wanted through the air as well. This is just an ugly, ugly game. And like I said, if this shot out, it wouldn't shock me. If this ended up going below 30 total points, it wouldn't shock me either. So um, I'm out on this too. This is just one that I'd rather be – I'd be a lot more comfortable avoiding this game. The pit stuff is weird too. Like he actually is on the field a ton. He's running a route to like 80% clip, which is – that's like elite receiver production. But like he's just not seeing the ball. Like that feels like a continued buy maybe in DFS. I don't know that I would attack it in the prop market per se – but I feel like there's a spot where he's going to erupt at some point. AJ Terrell probably out for the Falcons in this one. Really, they're only you know noteworthy cornerback. So maybe it's a McLaurin spot. Like you know, we really haven't had the McLaurin or Ridley or or, or Pitts games that we've been kind of wanting for too. So maybe this is a, if it is one of those spots in DFS where you know it's definitely off the board for a lot of people. But there's some corollary pieces and maybe some you know one offs that you can kind of sprinkle into your big game stacks here that could make some sense. But otherwise, it's uh, you know it's kind of a corner TV game, which I wouldn't think it would be because you know we had some expectations for Washington coming in, but they do not look good. Um, Pitts had a thirteen and an eight percent target share over the last two weeks. Like that's not encouraging at all. No, but he's running a ton of routes. He's out there yeah. running wind sprints. He's like Robbie Anderson. You know? Yeah, yeah. Last year's Henry Ruggs, right? 
he's out there all the time, which you love to see, but you know, throw him the yeah. damn ball every I, once in a while. I mean, whenever you can just be a decoy for Olamid Zacchaeus, uh, I mean, you got to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's an expensive, uh, it's an expensive decoy. All right. Next, uh, the Browns on the road in Minnesota, Minnesota's catching two here at home. Uh, this totals fluctuated. It got steamed up and has bounced back in a big way down at 51 and a half or so. Um, both clubs won comfortably last week. Vikings really didn't miss a beat without Dalvin Cook. Uh, Alexander Madison slid right in and played really well. I actually saw a larger target share than Cooks has at any point so far this season. Browns dominated the Bears, as we know. Uh, really kind of balanced attack. Miles Garrett went bonkers. I, I like uh, I like Cleveland here. I, I, I think this is a nice spot. I mean, again, want to buy into a little bit of narrative action, but I just think they're the better team. Kevin Stefanski coached here for 15 years before he took this Browns gig. I think he is going to be excited. I think his team is going to be up and ready for him. And uh, just sometimes like the Vikings just, I don't know. I don't understand that they even know what they have sometimes because they just refuse to snap the ball before there's one second on the clock. They want to run on second and nine all the time. The defense is poor. Part of it is I'm just buying in on the Browns. Uh, Lafayette, what do you think about this one? Hit the over on all the Odell Beckham props. I'll tell you that much. Yes. Oh, I love him this week, man. And so many people just hate. There's something about Odell Beckham that people just have this this visceral react. Like they hate Odell Beckham. But uh, I, thirty two percent target share last week. Just slid right in. Yeah, he had three targets of twenty plus yards downfield, which was no no other receiver at tight end had more than three targets on the day itself. This guy had three. 20 plus yards downfield. And he had a sick grab that was out of bounds, but like he's back. And he said after the game, he never, he could never get his feet underneath him. And he was so tired that he lost, that he lost his voice without screaming. If that's the Odell Beckham, is it less than a hundred percent? I mean, I can't wait to see him against the Vikings team. That's allowing 10.1 yards per attempt to opposing passers this year. So man, I, I think this game shoots out to be honest with you. And yeah, uh, Yes, the Browns like to lean on the run, but we can't discount the fact that, yes, the Browns' defense is very good. I take nothing away from But you can't discount the fact either that this Vikings offense has been pretty good. I mean, you have Justin Jefferson. You have either Cook or Madison. You have Adam Thielen. And uh, even K.J. Osborne has been good enough as a wide receiver mm-hmm. three to take some pressure off of those guys. So I like this game to score a lot of points, to be honest with you. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota's involved in yet another shootout for, you know, what, the third, third or fourth time this season. Yeah, no, I like it. I think uh, in front of the show, John Daigle, I think maybe 52 and a half, he was telling us to take and thought it would get steamed, and it did. But now it bounced back. So I, I was going to jump on the 51 and a half, but I was waiting. Like, I want to see, is there a bottom? Is there so much buyback here that we maybe get sure. to 51, 50 and a half? 50 and a half would be like, Oh, that'd be more 27, old, 24 is uh, probably multi-unit play for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got a, literally a text mid show from Silva saying Browns Vikings over 51 and a half, like, I don't know, 20 minutes ago. Uh, so that's, that's pretty funny. I, I do like, well, the I don't mind. So I don't mind being on the same side as Silva. So I yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that always feels good. And I think you, I mean, you guys covered most of it here. Browns offense has been great. Uh, and they have a great draw here against Minnesota defense, which hasn't been good. And the Minnesota offense has been, uh, pretty efficient for the most part, um, but you know Cleveland defense has been, you know, decent in terms of metrics, uh, fifth in yards per play, but pretty middle of the road in EPA. So I think it's a little bit noisy, uh, and you know I think that uh, the Vikings' offensive efficiency can kind of overcome any you know 
defensive strengths of the Browns here. So I, I like this game to go over for sure as well. I took this at one and a half in the look aheads. I thought we'd maybe get to three. Um, but I think because Minnesota showed so well last week against Seattle that it kind of held off. But uh, yeah, I, I think that even though this is, you know, it could be a popular teaser leg on the Minnesota side because you can kind of tease them through the seven there a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I think the Browns could could uh, could handle them pretty easily here. But again, I, you know, the Minnesota offense has been so efficient that I think it's kind of, again, a high tide raises all ships thing. And we see a, a crooked numbers from both sides too. a Browns team total. Anywhere, if you could take an over, if you could find anywhere under 27, I would fire the cannons on that too. I like that quite a bit. All right. So next, uh, Arizona on the road against the Rams. The Rams are four, four and a half point favorites, four and a half and win. 55 is the total. Rams really impressive last week, obviously. I mean, offensive line played great. They took advantage of a really beat up Buccaneers secondary. Uh, per the athletic, Stafford is fourth in expected completion percentage through the first four weeks or three weeks. Um, I talked about it a lot. You know, expected completion percentage is a scheme stat. You see that's really about offenses calling plays, setting the quarterback up for success. We talked about it earlier with Hertz, how Philly handled that really well in the first week. The only guys that are ahead of Stafford, though, in that metric currently have an average depth of target below six yards. Stafford is at 8.7. Um, that's really unfair. Like the way they're playing right now, all systems go, even they haven't really got Bob Woods in the mix quite yet. Uh, obviously Cooper cup is balling out. The breakfast narrative seems to be uh, alive and well. Um, I've been waiting for an opportunity to kind of short this Cardinals team. I think that that secondary is overrated. And I think that, uh, this is a spot for the Rams to really solidify themselves. I know that front for Arizona is good Lafayette, but uh, I, I think there are a lot of questions in the back half, and I think the way that this Rams defense or offense is playing right now, I think they're having their way with the Cardinals. Agree on all fronts. Uh, Arizona's secondary thus far has not proven anything. You, you, and you look at you can look at Tennessee and say, okay, well, they held Tannehill to to nothing, but Chandler Jones had five sacks. Like it was because Tannehill had no time to throw in that game. So. You know, you guys like Brown and, and Julio Jones are, are, are eliminated. It doesn't make a difference. And then you face Jacksonville. Okay, what what type of test is that? Nothing at all. Uh, and then, sure, against uh, Minnesota. But they still coughed up 33 points, and that was a game where you had Dalvin Cook hobbled, still just running all over them. So they haven't really run into a situation yet where a quarterback just decides they're going to throw at will on them. The way this offense has looked for, for L.A. has been as explosive and dynamic as any team in the league this season. I mean, Cooper Cup looks like a true – I have never thought I'd say it, a true alpha wide receiver, right? Like, it really does. Uh, granted, we always – everyone always liked Cooper Cup. We know he's good, but double-digit targets in three straight weeks, just dominant in the red zone on deep balls pretty much all over the field. And this is all without Robert Woods even getting involved. Think of the weapons they have. Like you have Deshaun Jackson that as long as he stays healthy, probably won't be long, yeah. uh, is a viable deep threat. And then if he gets hurt. You still have Van Jefferson. You still have Tyler Higby, who's on the field for literally a hundred percent of the plays every single week. They're just a dominant, dominant offense and they don't even need to run the ball, but Daryl Henderson's no slouch. And Sonny Michelle proved in a tough matchup last week that he can at least be decent. So at this point, you're not going to catch me betting against the LA Rams. I, I don't even know. I don't know if there's a matchup in the league right now where I'd bet against the Rams outright, at least. Love it. I took a four earlier today when it dips. Um, feel really, really good about it. I wanted in the look aheads, but I thought we would get 
something a little bit lower. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. It's another one that had sat up to six and now kind of is reverted back. Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think you guys said it well, but I mean, this, this Rams team is everything we thought they could be and more uh, like so far. It's seriously, they've been incredible. What's what amazed me last week was that Stafford took three deep shots to Deshaun, missed two of them, and then still connected on another one for 75 (laughs) yards. Literally like, I mean, I'll write missed him. Like Deshaun was open, like, you know, by, uh, you know, a couple of steps and all they had to do was lay it out in front of him and still connected. And like, they missed those shots and still were able to score 30 plus points. Um, so here, I mean, the team total, anything less than 30, I think is interesting. Uh, I, I agree. I probably lean towards the Rams, but the, the Cardinals offense has been very efficient so far as well. Uh, and they technically rank better in a lot of the metrics. And I think that's probably why we see a little bit of buyback on the Cardinals is that a lot of, you know, uh, people who are, who are looking at the numbers are looking at these teams a little bit closer and on paper, technically they are. But uh, I, I kind of agree. I think that the Rams are a little bit uh, more tested and more proven uh, compared to the Cardinals, who you know may have had a little bit of an earlier run with uh, the easier schedule. So we were down nineteen to ten in the late third against Jacksonville. Like, yeah, it was a pick six, a three and out, and a couple of fumbles, and it totally flipped that game. Like they, yeah. I mean, I, I think that they are decent, but I mean, I, I don't think that they are in the Rams ballpark and you're telling me four you're telling me that they are and i think that that's that's a mistake i don't really buy in any trends we're not you know, we don't typically give trends the rams have won and covered eight straight against the cardinals they they seem to have their number at least especially even under these coaching staffs uh the rams have kind of dominated these matchups so uh and back-to-back road games for arizona too does not work in their favor give me the rams here I don't know how high you can push a Cooper Cup reception number um, to take. I mean, it's like six and a half out there with massive juice. I think we're projecting him for a tad over eight and a half. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, wow. I, That's just silly. It is silly. I, I'm not sure how sustainable that is where, like, Robert Woods just isn't involved. So I, I don't think I'm touching. I don't think I'm touching the over on on Cooper Cup reception props right now. That's that's a lot to ask for. No matter how good he's been, I have trouble. I have trouble with that. You no. said, wait, you're projecting him at eight and a half, and what's it sitting at? Six and a half, but I think like minus one forty, one forty five. All right, this nice. isn't horrible juice, but like six and a half, seven balls is still a lot of balls. We're talking it about is. like, yeah. you know, we're talking, you know, Devontae Adams, uh, Calvin Ridley last year type numbers. So. Maybe it's not maybe it's not crazy, especially given that you know this is a guy who's generally going to have a pretty high completion rating. Like he's not. What's he catching? He's catching seventy eight percent of passes this year. He's got a a dot of less than nine yards. I mean, those are the those are the type of guys I don't mind betting the overs on the receptions. If you know you yeah. get a couple deep targets, but you're also getting some some layups as well. It's tempting. It's, it's tempting. I never thought I'd say it, but it's tempting. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, like these lines could look low if he has like a Michael Thomas type season because like towards the end of Michael Thomas and even Devontae Adams, it's like every week the line is like seven and a half, eight and a half, you know, like, and that's about right. So six and a half might wind up being too low, but I agree. It, se- it seems uh, so far-fetched that like Robert Woods doesn't get involved at some point or another, at least a little bit more. I mean, even then he still has like, a, I think it was 20% target share last week, something like that, uh, or, or at least to start the season. And just like isn't connecting, and it, it's not converting to fantasy points right now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it will eventually. I think it will. Uh, I, this is—he's like twenty-nine. He's not—he's not on the wrong side of the number. I don't think he's all of a sudden washed. I think it just is—you know—the 
cup thing is working and uh, they have, they do have depth. Like, you know, Lafayette said, like Higby can play, they can mix in, they can dust off Deshaun and, and run him out for 15% target share with some deep shots. Fan Jefferson's playing pretty well. You know, they got, they drafted two, two at well, like they have dudes, like they can just kind of, they can do whatever they want. It's basically cup and everyone else. But how many times last year were we like, Oh, Devante, like seven and a half, eight and a half. And he goes to the half with seven balls. Yeah. It's like, man, he was hitting it at the half. He did it the other night. He did it the other night against the Niners. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, uh, next we have uh, Seattle on the road against the Niners. Niners two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. 52 was the total. Pretty disappointing week three for both clubs. Uh, the Niners managed to come back, though, after digging themselves a hole against the Packers. But, again, they, Devontae, they couldn't, uh, couldn't stop him in those last two plays put them in position to kick a game-winning field goal. Seattle could not get off the field against Minnesota. It has been a trend so far this year. They are last in yards per drive and last in time uh, time of possession per drive. They are just exhausted. Um, I think we start to see this get into that uh, Pete Carroll head. We need to uh, run the ball a little bit more and more. We need to keep our defense on the sideline. And uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do here, Lafayette. What are your thoughts? These divisional games between two good teams are always kind of tough because, you know, first of all, Seattle's playing at the sixth lowest pace in the league this year. Uh, San Francisco kind of is playing at the what? Or I'm sorry, no, it's my fault. San Francisco is playing at one of the slower paces in the league this year. Seattle's playing at the sixth fastest pace near 26.6 seconds per snap. 52 seems like a decent amount of points, though. And, and here's the thing. I've been surprised that Shanahan has not made it a point of emphasis to get George Kittle the ball early and often. Like this guy is second in the league in yards after catch per reception behind only Rondell Moore, which is insane. Uh, He's second in yards per route run at the tight end position behind the goat Travis Kelsey. Like George Kittle is an absolute beast. If you start feeding him the football, you're going to start seeing a ton of success because he's not just someone that'll, you know, catch it for 10 yards and go down. He'll create additional yardage all the time. And I'm still not sure if Shanahan's got this game plan worked out given how um, given how banged up the backfield is. I mean, I thought it was smart that he used Kyle Juszczyk last week, but clearly he's not completely sold on Trey Sermon. You lost Eliza Mitchell. You lost Jermichael Hasty, You lost Raheem Mostert. The backfield has not only been you know pretty inefficient, but it's also just completely banged up. So it's a tough team to get a read on just from an offensive game planning standpoint. And then on the other side, you talk about Seattle. Yeah, they're they're a mess on many fronts. So uh, I actually wouldn't be surprised that this game was was lower scoring. But these divisional games are very difficult for me to get a good feel for, especially between two teams that can have explosive offenses but also one that has a solid defense and the others who can hold up in a spot like this. Yeah, this matchup, they obviously played twice a year. It's gone over five of the last six times. The other was a push. That's so crazy. We've seen, we've seen points. See, Seattle. What were those totals at, though? Um, Mostly high 40s and 50s. Um, okay, so they were into the low 50s then. Okay. Yeah. Um, This is like this the game last week, the Seattle-Minnesota one, where I was like, man, I, I, could f- I feel – why people would back it and feel like there's going to be a lot of points here, but they also both at their core love to run the football. It's kind of where we're at again here in the spot where like, we know these, these teams kind of want to run the football when things are, all things are you know equal, especially in neutral game script in a game that is close considering that Seattle can't get off the field. Connor, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I I think that Seattle could, I mean, very easily win outright here, but it's not something that I feel great about uh, betting, to be honest. I, and both like rosters have so many different like flaws. I think this Niners defense uh, isn't quite as strong as they've shown so far, but Seattle offense number one in yards per play right now and sixth in overall EPA. Uh, but again, then you know they had a meltdown last week a little bit. Um, and then the Seattle defense, not too strong, 25th in EPA, 20th in yards per play. So uh, it's just really kind of a blender of things of how is this game going to go? I still continue to have no faith, little to no faith in Jimmy Garoppolo to move the ball, even though he you know, somehow gets it done week after week uh, for the most part. Uh, I, I want to see Trey Lance, and I know that that's you know, very, the, been the popular sentiment, but uh, I, I want to see them open the offense up a little bit more even. For me, I think that it's probably just, uh, again, another stay away. I lean towards the under, as you guys mentioned, but uh, it probably could, it could very well be an over game because Seattle's defense isn't good. If they force each other to open the ball up, open the game up a little bit more, it could be, it could be high scoring. I think you brought up a good point though, with Trey Sermon. I mean, how bad must this guy have been during preseason or like, what was he doing? You know, yeah. be a healthy scratch in week one and then look so bad. Like, I mean, I like, Shanahan is already like just not abiding by the sunk cost fallacy of like trading up for his guy or whatever and just throwing him straight in the garbage bin and I'm like this is not it like he ain't it same with Ayuk early in the season too yeah and like mm-hmm. oh okay last year Ayuk is the guy granted Kittle and Debo were out for a lot of those games and then you find out that it's Trent Sheffield <laughs> starting week one like it, it's it's crazy with Shanahan and that's one of the reasons I just don't feel comfortable with this team so often because you don't know what they're gonna look like yeah, yeah no it was idea. 64 points the first matchup last year. They met in November. Um, the game total was 54, so they got to 64. And then wow, okay. um, they got to 49 um, on a 45-point total in the uh, second matchup. At that point, though, it was like, I don't know, it was Beth Hurd or whoever they had a quarterback. I don't know what was going on with the Niners right. at, that, at that point, but it was uh, it was rough. But, yeah, they went over. So, yeah, I, I mean, I feel the same as I did last week with the Minnesota game. It's It's kind of a – the total makes me nervous. I could see us being way under, or I could see we we're getting the shoot out here. But I'm with you, Connor. Like I feel like it's I probably take Seahawks on the money line or nothing. That game went under last week, right? By half a point, didn't it? The the Vikings Browns game or no? On the closing line? Yeah. The Vikings, uh yeah, it was forty seven. The Vikings uh Seahawks. Yeah. No, because it was the totals in the fifties. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it went under, I think. Yeah. Even yeah, though Seahawks, everybody was going to cruise over, it seemed like every team was scoring every drive for the first like half, but they were moving so slow that like it was, uh, you know, they, they still weren't scoring enough. Minnesota, man. Yeah. yeah they're tough. All right. Uh, this one's going to be interesting. Baltimore is on the road in Denver. It's a pick 44 is the total. And we'll obviously know a lot more about how good this Broncos team is coming out of this one than we do going in. I think we both thought they were going to be interesting in the preseason. I thought they were a good bet to make the playoffs. I thought they were a good bet to beat their win total here. Um, three and O was a nice start. The Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. I'll leave you with more questions than answers, obviously. But Teddy, guys, I, I mean, I don't know what this is even. Like, he's balling out. He leads all quarterbacks in completion percentage over expectation. Uh, leads all quarterbacks in success rates. And he's got nine and a half air yards per attempt. Like this is check down Charlie uh, forever who just is like conservative. We didn't see this last year in a Joe Brady led offense with great weapons. We get him out here in Denver and he's just chucking it down the field off. What are your thoughts on this one? It's crazy, right? Although if you look at Teddy Bridgewater last year compared to the five or six starts he made in new Orleans, sure. 
Like that's even a more insane disparity, right? Like in New Orleans, when you have a guy, Michael Thomas, that you can just straight 18 times in a row, five, six yards downfield and let him do his thing. So he was, he opened it up a little bit more last year, but, but yeah, not to the extent that you're seeing this year, which is pretty interesting because you have Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams who are both getting a decent amount of work, right? Like they're combining for, I, I don't know the exact number. You might be able to pull it, but it's probably they're combining for over 25 carries uh, per game. The tough part for me, though, is, and you mentioned it, the, they've had the easiest schedule in the league this year. I mean, you've got the Jets, you've got the Giants, you've got the Jaguars. You should be beating these teams, right? But then on the other hand, you have Baltimore, who I, I, there's a caveat. I want to preface this, right? Baltimore needed a 66-yard field goal from Justin Tucker. The guy is just amazing to win that game against the Lions last week. But let's not ignore the fact that Marcus Brown legitimately dropped three touchdowns. Like that game could look so much different if he didn't forget how to catch footballs, right? Like seriously, that's how bad it was that Marcus Brown, that game could have swung 14 points easily. And now you're looking at a, you're looking at a blowout, but now you're looking at a game that was decided as time ran off the clock on a 66 yard uh, career or uh, all time long field goal. So I'm not sold on the Ravens right now. And I think they will face a much more difficult matchup against the uh, against the Denver Broncos. But again, they are better than they looked last week against Detroit. And you said this is at a pick em, right? Yeah. If it's at a pick em and you're forcing me to take one side here, I'm going with I'm going with the Denver Broncos. There's a lot of injuries to this uh, to this Baltimore team right now, and Denver is playing well. This will be a test, though. Can they hold up against an above-average team? Uh, and while I think Baltimore is good, I think they may be getting a little bit too much credit coming into some of these games. I'm with you there, actually. We went back and forth on this one uh, in the group chat earlier. And, uh, you know, I think, Day- again, we'll shout out to Daigle. I think Daigle put it out there at uh, backing, basically said take the Ravens and any plus money you can get. Um, I pushed back and I said, I-, I think I like the Broncos. And I know Connor – I uh, was on the Ravens here, but uh, again, this is similar to the Miami thing, right? We're not quite in September, but historically early season games in Denver, that's a problem. And again, it, sometimes it's really warm there. We know that the altitude, there's very little home field advantage left in the NFL. Denver early in the season or late in the season, I suppose, uh, is a massive home field advantage. Back-to-back road games, Connor, for for the Ravens. Yeah, I I think that the, the schedule that you laid out just like I mean really like shows that I mean these two teams are just on a different level in terms of the schedule the teams that they face like literally the Broncos have faced like three of the five worst teams in the NFL so far <laughs> while the Ravens you know beat Kansas City went we're in Detroit's territory in eight of their ten offensive drives last time and only came up with nineteen points you know. Marquise Brown has feet for hands last week. I don't know what was going on with him. Dude, someone called him. I don't know who it was. I wish I could give them credit. I saw someone call him Bakersfield Brown, and I thought that that was, I thought that, that was amazing. So it was I bad. That was oh, bad. man. Yeah, and then and then I mean against the Raiders, who have been playing awesome. I mean, I feel like they almost gave the gave the game away, or the Raiders took like a miraculous comeback to you know kind of win that one. I felt like the Ravens should have pulled that one off, and so. Even then, like this, just been, it's a different caliber of who they played so far. And so, yeah, I get that the roster composition, I think that they're pretty even. Um, but, you know, so far in terms of who's played who and like how they performed, I get that how Denver looks like incredible on paper and how they've looked so far facing, you know, the sister of blind and poor. Um, but it's, 
the, for me, the Bravens right now, I think are, are a better team marginally. So at plus money, like Daigle said, I'm into it. Pick them. Not as excited, but uh, you know, you could talk me into it. I'd still need Baltimore. Hey, let me ask you guys this though. If you look at like matchup adjusted grades or rankings for, for this Broncos defense, they're up there. I mean, mm-hmm. PFF has them top and number one in pass coverage. Uh, run defense has them top, what is it, five or six? So if that's the case, do are we buying into this Denver Broncos defense that they might be, you know, legitimately good? And yes, they they played some awful teams, but they basically stifled all of them anyway. So holding them to virtually nothing. Like, where are we at on the Broncos defense? Because yeah. I think they could be real good. It's the best uh, secondary think, in the league. Yeah, coming into the year, I think we were all pretty high on them. Uh, you know, I think we we liked them a lot for sure. But yeah, I mean, do you think they're the best secondary in the league right now, Noonan? I do. So I think what they can right. do is I think they can they can afford to put Patrick Sertain on Andrews, take Andrews out, and they still have the depth to just lock down everyone else as normal out on the outside. And that's really – we could pick on the Broncos' schedule, but look who – I know the Ravens have played tougher teams, but the Chiefs and the Lions are 31st and 32nd in EPA defensively. So that the Ravens have had – a pretty easy, easy sledding as far as like the defenses that they've played um, and didn't, didn't take advantage. I know that they ran into some inefficiencies and we've laid out the Marquise Brown piece for sure. But like, I think again, we don't really know. And that's kind of why Vegas is, they got their hands up in this one. And it's like, pick them. Like, we don't know, but um, you know, coming into the season, obviously the Ravens had higher expectations than the Broncos, but I think the rate, I think the Broncos are good. I think they had depth at receiver that they could absorb some of these injury issues that they've had. Um, you know, they have, you know, tight end, they're running two backs that I think are both at least, you know, better, or at least league average or better offensive lines playing really well. Um, and again, I know we saw Lamar come back last week and we saw it a little bit in the chiefs game, but like, unless they get up big, I just don't know that they're necessarily built to come from behind more times than not. I and mean, you force Lamar into passing situations. He's terrifying when we don't know what he's going to do. Um, but when we have an idea that he's going to have to throw, I think a team with an elite secondary, an elite pass rush, can really sh- shut him down. So I like the Broncos here. Uh, well, I mean, we can, we can we can do a friendly. I know I do. The Broncos are my team, but I think we, we can do a friendly wager on it if you if you want. I don't know what what are we? We're I'm one to know in our our wagers so far this um, year. Yeah. So gosh, that that uh, Damian Harris fumble in week one is uh, a killer. Yeah, yeah. go go Dolphins. Oh, uh, inside know. the ten yard line. Yeah, oh. that was rough. <laughs> Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. Uh, we can go. Well, I don't know. You don't want a second round of golf. We can do uh, dinner or a round of golf here. But I'll yeah, let's let's do. We'll, we'll add dinner on top of it. If you win, then we'll take off the golf. And if, if I win, we add on dinner. How about that? Love it. All right, good stuff. All right, uh, Pittsburgh on the road in Green Bay is our next one. Green Bay six and a half point favorites at home. Forty five and a half is the total. Uh, after a week one clunker, we saw the Packers get back on track last couple of weeks. No turnovers, which is nice to see. Defense has, uh, you know, had some injuries, but they've played pretty well uh, looking the part here. On the other side, I, I don't know. We might look back in that week one spot in Pittsburgh winning on the road against the Bills as one of those really bizarre, how in the world did that happen? I know that I, I think the defense is going to be better. They probably get TJ Watt back this week. They didn't get any pressures. They did not touch Joe Burrow last week. And then that's not even accounting for what happened when Big Ben. I mean, I know we've all seen the clips at this point, right? Where he just like gets the snap, throws it and falls. Yeah. And then we have the other one where he just like chucks it into the belly of the linebacker. Like, I don't he know. Gave up. 
This is rough. Lafayette, what do you think? He gave up. I mean, at one point, they just kind of walked off the field, <laughs> uh, conceding, uh, just understanding that the, uh, this game is a wrap. Um, I, betting against Aaron Rodgers at home against a team that appears to be in disarray right now, it's tough for me to do it, man. And, you know, sure, you have a playmaker in Najee Harris, but what value is he to you when he's just running into his own lineman two yards behind the line of scrimmage? Like, it, you draft a first round running back and you give no line to block for him. It's crazy. I, 70% of his carries, he's been hit at or below. 70%. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it's absolutely insane. I, I bet his yards before contact is like negative 10. I'm obviously <laughs> exaggerating, but it's not good at all. And yeah, okay, 19 targets. That's sustainable. And that's, that's really conducive to winning football games, right? It's not. None of that is. Deontay Johnson's banged up. Who knows if he plays? Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he has a shot at playing. But And then you have Chase Claypool who's getting targeted. But you know he is, he is best downfield. But if Ben's getting the ball out of his hands in under two and a half seconds, yeah. like, how, how much value is he to you when, when, when you can't protect him? I, mean, I, I think the Packers, and, and not to mention, I really thought this Steelers defense would be a lot better this year. Like, I'm more surprised by their performance than I am by Washington's performance because the Steelers have a proven track record of being an elite secondary and being able to slow teams down. I, I, I think the Packers come in there and uh, come into Lambeau and, and they eat them up. So uh, this is actually one spot where you get it at six and a half. I don't, I don't mind laying six and a half on the Packers here at all. Actually, I, I think they I think they win pretty handily. Yeah, we got Silva on the team total on the Packers here. As well, mid show. I don't think he's watching, but he just he happens to know we're recording. So we'll take we'll tail Silva on that one too. I'm with you. This is the one I talked about. I took the Chiefs with the Packers as a teaser because I I can't see can't see the Chiefs going down to one and three, and I I don't see enough from the Steelers. Even if DJ Watt comes back, Connor, I'd love to know your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I like I like the Packers here at anything under seven. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh offense legit bad as you guys mentioned. Uh, their actual actual metric so far twenty fifth in EPA, twenty sixth in yards per play. Um, I mean, their and their defense middle of the road in most metrics as you guys mentioned too. And I mean that the tape matches up with that as well. Like they're they really haven't been that good offensively and or defensively. And so yeah, I think a Packers team which uh, you know I think has more talent you know top to bottom and is at home. Uh, you know, is a good bet here at under a touchdown. So I, I think, you know, I don't really feel like I need to get too much more complicated with the analysis beyond that. But um, in this spot, I guess it would it would surprise me if you know Big Ben and the uh, the Steelers offense was able to put it together here, you know, magically on the road. Although this Packers defense, I think, has shown signs of not being good. They also looked, you know, good at times against the 49ers. So I think it's it's been a very much a mixed bag for them so far. You got a Jair Alexander that the, the Bengals didn't have last week, and if you do have a spot where it's just Claypool, you have you have no Deontay or you have maybe no Juju. Like, man, they can eliminate Claypool in a big, big way by throwing Jair on him. And like Lafayette said, like it's great to get the ball out fast to make up for the deficiencies in the offensive line, but like you also can't really do anything. Like you don't leave your offense any room to create because everyone's just sitting on the line of scrimmage waiting for you to get rid of the ball because we know you can't go deep. It's, it's a, it's a problem. I, I don't know what they do, but it's, it's gross. They, they need the defense to carry them and they can't do it if they don't have any, any pass rush. So uh, Devonte Adams, 58% target share last week, uh, 69% of the air yards. Uh, yeah. I mean, he is their passing offense. And I think if, um, 
if Watts out, oh my gosh, like just pound Adams overs. Um, and even if he's in play, I have to wait and see what those numbers get hung at. But uh, that one's interesting. And I think MVS might be out too. So that would just add add more insult to injury here in terms of, or actually, no, not insult to injury. It just mean it, throw more to your best player. <laughs> yeah, It wouldn't be surprised though if Aaron Jones continues to see a, a decent amount of targets too. I mean, it's not just that Rodgers is willing to target him, but Jones is highly effective in the passing game. And you didn't see that as much before because it was Jamal Williams getting, you know, 35, 40 uh, targets each each season. But when you get someone like A.J. Dillon that comes in and is not a pass-catching back, Aaron Jones is going to dominate opportunities in the passing game out of the backfield. So something to consider. Yep, no, good call for sure. All right, Connor, you're going to be in person for this one. The Lions on the road against the Bears. Bears, two-and-a-half-point favorites. 42 is the total. This is the second time this season that the Bears are coming off of a week of getting their teeth kicked in, only to be favored at home the next week. Uh yeah, this one feels like a coin flip. Uh, these clubs are obviously uh, both struggling. What the Bears did last week was egregious. It was really, really rough. I think they um, Orlovsky was going off. I think they used five blockers on 13 of the 20 pass attempts for fields. You know, obviously a net of 47 yards on the day is not going to get it done. Uh, for all the, the we said about the Lions in the offseason, they've been at least competitive uh, the defense has a lot of problems. The offense has been at least decent enough to keep them in some games here, Connor. Uh, are you betting on this one? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I will be at this game, and I need to you know, publicly say this, that I'm, you know, I got tickets for free, one. Two, they're good seats. <laughs> uh, three, um, you know, I, I would not go to this game, you know, otherwise. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I – you know, was I'm massively down on the line season long. I think so far, rightfully so. That's been fine. Um, but they, their offense looks okay. Uh, I mean, their defense is abysmal and not so much. They're rolling out like just the worst cornerbacks in the league at this point. Um, but like their offense looks okay. I mean, Jared Goff is just checking it down to Swift or Hawkinson pretty much every single play. And that's, I mean, that's okay, at least for now. Uh, and so in this particular matchup, like at least the Lions can hang their hat on you know, biting kneecaps, having a decent offense. And like, you know, I would say having like a good culture. I don't know. It seems like they're at least like not like, you know, hanging their heads when they go down 14-0. Like they're at least just trying to, you know, get back into it. Whereas the Bears, like, what did the Bears do well right now? Uh, you know, maybe their defense is okay. I don't know. I mean, like that, that that's about all I got. Their offense looks like miserably bad. Nagy drew up a game plan that was like, I don't even know. I mean, the worst game plan I've ever seen in my life. Fields wasn't throwing downfield. The offensive line was getting buried. The receivers weren't getting open. Just disaster. Let me ask you guys a question. If you were, if you had to, to lay two and a half on the Bears, who would you want starting, Dalton or Fields this week? That's a good question. For me, it's Dalton. 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 Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Especially with the thumb. Not because I think he has a higher ceiling long term than Fields. We all know that's preposterous, yeah. but because. Honestly, when you've got a line that's allowing as, as much pressure, normally you'd be like, yeah, give me fields because he can run. But I feel like Dalton's the type of guy that might – he's been around long enough that he can get the ball out quicker and just be able to run an offense where he's not protected. Like normally that's counterintuitive, right? you got a statuesque guy back there. But fields, he got thrown to the wolves and it wasn't his fault, but he looked as lost as anyone could lost and he or could, could be lost and he was running for his life. So – uh I'm not touching the sides on this. I, I, I have no, no, I don't want anything to do with that. 
But I will say, if Dalton is starting, I will have a lot of yeah, a decent amount of over props this week for me because I think some of them are just too low. Uh, Robinson over 50 and a half. I- I'm telling you, and Connor laid it out nicely, this Detroit secondary, like they – this could be historically bad secondary. And if, if Marcus Brown didn't drop those passes, again, they were just straight drops, nobody around them. You're looking at another horrible game. This this secondary could be so bad that you know anybody Zach Wilson comes in there and lights them up. So 50 and a half for Robinson, uh, minus 120. I still I, I think he could this could be that game for Robinson where you finally say, All right, that this that's the Robinson we knew from the past two years, and he's done it with bad quarterbacks before. Yeah, the Dalton thing would would be be nice. I, I had over. I don't want it with Fields, honestly. I, I really don't. Yeah, I had them both last week. I had the I had over four and a half receptions, and I had uh, I think it was like fifty four and a half receiving yards. I thought they were beautiful numbers, and yeah, they, they were dead on arrival, and it was rough. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, it was, but it Dalton, was so bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Con. No, it, it was that that game. I mean, just kind of showed us that like. I think we've talked about it a lot on this podcast actually was that fields is extremely volatile and like heading in, we thought that he could be very good or like the floor was really, really low. Yeah. And we saw the floor like that was, that was what we were scared of. <laughs> I, oh. I'll say this much though with Dalton. This is the guy that targeted AJ green, like 178 times in a season. So he will key in on his top guy. It's not going to be Mooney. If you get Dalton under center, you know, in week one, we saw, what, 11 uh, pass attempts to Robinson in a very difficult matchup against Ramsey uh, and the Rams. This is a way easier spot. If Dalton's starting and, and he gets, you know, a decent amount of targets over to Robinson, uh, I'd actually feel very comfortable about Robinson hitting 51 yards. Yeah, I like it. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, obviously that whole situation with, like, all three quarterbacks are in play this week is a very, very <laughs> bizarre Thing to say, I, I I can't understand how that can help the locker room, but maybe we get a different message in the public than uh, they are before they come out for meetings. But it's uh, definitely does not instill any confidence. I would think I don't know how anyone has conviction on a side in this game. It just is, Mm-mm. it's a mess. And the Lions' pass rush hasn't been terrible. That's been like the one aspect of their defense that isn't yep. awful. But you know, if they can get to whoever it is, sure. But you know, I. I who knows at this point? It's it's an un, it's a big unknown. Yeah, it's going to be gross. Enjoy the free seats, Connor. I hope it's uh, <laughs> I hope it's worth it. You're missing some good games. I'll, I'll, I'll be tailgating before too, so that's like you know, you I'll yeah enjoy something. You know, booze. Right. I have to have to be hammered to be at that game. I mean, there's no. Yeah, you don't have to sober. remember the game. <laughs> yeah, no, probably don't sure. want to. No, definitely not. All right, next Carolina on the road against the Cowboys. The Cowboys are four and a half point favorites at home. 50 and a half is the total over a win back-to-back road games for the Panthers here, obviously uh, coming off of some rest and playing on Thursday night, actually have the rest advantage on the Cowboys since Cowboys had a, a short week, pretty complete effort. We talked about it at the top for Dallas on Monday night. The offense really did whatever they wanted. Defense has exceeded expectations so far, obviously getting some nice play out of uh, the rookie in the draft. Who's basically transferred from, you know, Parsons is now a uh, defensive end for them because they've lost, you know, three of their four, main defensive ends to start the year and maybe Trayvon Diggs is a guy we weren't really sure if they had any secondary play that was really uh, worth noting he got really lit up all year last year but if they have someone to step in that's uh, that's pretty nice it's kind of the opposite thing that happened in Carolina last week they obviously lost both Christian McCaffrey and JC Horn which are pretty big losses for them again coming in three and oh Laffy uh, what are your thoughts on this one 
yeah, I uh, I plan on on laying the points with with Dallas here. Yeah, a couple of things to consider. When you're down McCaffrey, your offense can become very one-dimensional. And Chuba Hubbard is a fourth-round pick. You've got Royce Freeman behind them. It's not to say they won't be able to rack up some yardage, but Dallas's defense, you know, they had, what, eight new starters coming in this season? They're a lot different than last year. You mentioned Parsons. He looks legit. Trayvon Diggs looks good. And and I know like there's some recency bias watching that Eagles game where the game planning was so bad that anyone would have looked good. I understand that. But they don't look that bad at all. I mean, and again, there were some missed plays with Justin Herbert in, in L.A., but all in all, Dallas defense was able to hold up for mm-hmm. the most part. I I have some issues with the fact that, you know, D.J. Moore is going to be the, the primary target here, no doubt. Uh can you get Robbie Anderson involved? And on the other side, look what Dak Prescott can do when I think Amari Cooper was hobbled last game as well. And the Eagles tried to take CeeDee Lamb out of the game, limit him to three for 66. I think it was just go to Dalton Schultz, you know, go to Blake Jarwin, uh, go to any of these guys. They, they have so many weapons. Dak Prescott is elite and this offense is very good. And losing JC Horn is a big deal uh, CJ Henderson, Matt Rule said, even if he plays, he's going to be limited. So, like that secondary took a big hit. I, I think I, I think the Dallas Cowboys outmatch the the Panthers, even though the Panthers are three and zero. I think they might be a shaky three and zero heading into Week Four. Yeah, the CJ Henderson thing is this is a good move for them, but like you get him in, you'd want to kind of get him in your system. As a guy obviously was a top ten pick a year ago, but really was struggling to get on the field for Jacksonville, which again, kind of speaks volumes of having him come right in and, and, you know, take starter snaps. It's, it's a tough ask. Um, Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Dallas here is the play. I also lean towards the over a little bit uh, here. I mean, if we have the Carolina defense banged up uh, and this Dallas offense, I think is legit, as you guys mentioned. And then on the other side, uh, this Panthers offense, I think has proven to be really good. Uh, You know, the post Gase uh, narrative for Sam Darnold has proven to be a blessing for his play. And, uh, you know, he's largely been a lot better as well. So uh, I think this offense, even without Christian McCaffrey, I think it is, uh, you know, a little bit scary, but at the same time, I think they still have the, the weapons in the passing game, uh, despite what our, our buddies who, who golfed with us over there in Vegas for whatever six rounds that I lasted noon and uh, said, um, you know, I, I still like their offense going forward. I think that this game could, could wind up being a shootout. Um, and Panthers team total 23, I think is interesting. Total of 50 and a half is interesting, but primarily I think the Cowboys are you know able to score 28 to 30 in this one pretty easily. I took a couple overs in this one earlier today. Um, I thought the CD Lamb yardage was a little short. We had him about 22 yards higher. I grabbed the 66 and a half. I think that's dead now. I think it's it's climbed into the, the low 70s maybe. And then uh, Chuba Hubbard over on the reception yards at, at 21 and a half. Again, just he kind of you know slid into that role. Saw five targets last week with McCaffrey out. And if we do think they're going to have some negative game script, I think that. He maybe loses a little bit to, to Freeman on early downs, but I feel like he probably is more of the passing game guy here. So I think that those numbers are, are both pretty viable, but uh, should be an interesting one. I mean, I, I, this Cowboys team, uh, man, feeling like having these Washington NFC East tickets feels uh, feel like a real donkey right now with the way that uh, things are shaping up after three weeks, but long way to go. Uh, all right, this last one. Um, I don't have a lot of thoughts. Tampa Bay at New England. I don't know if you guys heard about this. But apparently, uh, 
Tom Brady is heading back to, to New England. Uh, it's moved to seven on Tampa side, 49 is the total. I really don't. I just want to watch this game. I think it's going to be awesome. I got all the feels on the Adele montage. Um, he's going to, he's going to do the Adele montage was, was badass. Like, I, I don't know. Like you got to be dead inside if you're not like, dude, that it's like, this is what it's all about. They this is, that. this is like the most important game of your life, dude. I mean, you're like a diehard Patriots fan. You named your firstborn child Brady. Uh, I mean, this is like oh, wow. the Newton game. Yeah. Like this is a big, it was, big the third, it was Lafayette. It was the 50 touchdown season. It was 08. <laughs> right. So like he, he earned it. And I feel that he's gone on for 13 more years to prove that that was a good decision for both you know me and my son. Oh, oh man! If your son ends up being like a like a Bucks or not even a Bucks fan, you know, a, a Bills fan or something, what are you gonna do? I know. Uh, my son, I he he like dug his heels in a little bit today and, and tried to tell me that it was uh it was Belichick. He took Team Belichick in the Brady Belichick argument. Oh, wow. I think he's I think he's better that he left. Uh, I don't think he's you know fully processing it, but uh, it's going to be good. He's going to he's going to beat the yardage all time. You know Drew Brees' yardage number. It's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. I think Tampa probably curb stomps him here, but the Bucks the secondary is is in trouble. Like losing Sean Murphy Bunting is bad. Like Jamal Dean's gone down. They I don't know his status for this one. They are signing you know Richard Sherman off the street here. What are your thoughts, Lafie, on this game? I'm going straight props in this game. I know you guys do a prop show, so sorry to you know, swamp you with those. But there's certain certain games, I just not interested in the sides or total. I think this game stays relatively competitive, though, because the the Bucks secondary has been, I mean, a real problem. Yeah, no team has allowed more passing touchdowns than the Bucks yards per game and grant I, I understand some of that is with them playing with the lead you know against matt ryan and the falcons but last week they got gutted uh week one dak press got gutted their secondary and i'm looking at a couple spots here that intrigue me now i will say under uh 12 and a half longest rushing uh, longest rush for damian harris uh, i i am not only a believer in tampa bay's run defense but i think they are so good that they are, they're so good that they'll force you to funnel to the passing game, even if their secondary was half decent, which is why uh, Jacoby Myers over, where are we here? Over 64 and a half receiving yards. That might sound like a lot because he doesn't have a particularly high A dot. And you're like, all right, well, yards per reception is not very high, but he has, he's been targeted 20 plus yards downfield more than anyone and almost more than that. He's top 10 in deep targets this season. Um, he's 13th in targets. He's 13th in, in receptions. It's just, he hasn't been able to break those big ones. Uh, and he's faced some, you know, he's faced new Orleans defense. That wasn't particularly easy. He's had some tough spots. He's getting peppered with targets, big time uh, target share, and they're going to be forced to throw. So I think this could stay close, but we know, we know Tampa, Tampa and Brady are going to score points. So I like Jacoby Myers to get peppered because he already has been. And while the, the it hasn't materialized into big plays yet, they're still gunning for those big plays. And Mac Jones has actually attempted a lot of deep balls this season as a rookie. I like it. What are your thoughts, Connor? Any uh, leans on the side or total? Or I don't know if you've seen any props that you like yet. Uh, no props. I'll probably potentially hit like a Cam Brate prop. I know that there's some some rumors of uh, Gronk, you know, not being able to be fully healthy, and so if, if those pop, I'll probably be hitting those. Um, and beyond that, though, I think you know if if you're Bill Belichick, how would you stop Tom Brady in this offense? 
knowing that Tom Brady's coming off a loss, gunning for that, gunning for the record, which will hit, but still, it's, you know, like going out angry. Uh, I probably let them run the ball uh, and, you know, try and force them to run the ball a little bit, kind of like he's done in, in the past. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting angle. Like how does Belichick scheme with a defense that's good? I mean, we talked about this. This is probably a pretty good defense. Um, can he stop Tom? I, I don't know. I, again, I'm more interested to just watch the game. I'll probably take some props as well. Uh, but it's not – I don't know. I, I think that it's a, it's a chess match that I think that – I think it, at this point we can mostly say it probably was Brady and the Belichick versus Brady you know, argument, at least based on what we've seen the last few seasons from uh, New England. But Why do we have to do that? Why? Why can't, <laughs> why can't it just have been both? That they both held each other? Like, well, like – they, they both did. Why do we have to do that? Because this is sports, dude. And I mean, we talk about things that no one can prove, you know, like this is how this works. It's <laughs> a good point. That's, that's I mean, it, walking into a situation though, where you have, and, and I'm kind of agnostic on this. I think I kind of lean Connor's side, but and you could look at the Matt Castle season where they still mm-hmm. won 10 games, right? It, walking they in. They had loss though. What's up? They had loss. That's, that's true. true. Yeah. Yeah. And they missed the playoffs that year. Matter of fact, yeah. right? But you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown for half of the season, Rob Gronkowski. He's just he is an embarrassment of riches as far as passing options go, and a defense that last year you know was was really really good in both phases. So put it this way: Brady couldn't have found a better home in his first year away from New England. Oh yeah, yeah. We had some twelve and four seasons with Rashad Caldwell like as the leading you know, pass catching yeah. on the team. There was some bad, some bad juju. So, yeah, I mean, it took a lot of stones historically. If you remember back, you know, 19, 20 years where Connor doesn't, he was uh, <laughs> still in diapers, but like to make that call at the time to, to go to Brady over Bledsoe, who was like in year two of a big fat contract, took a lot of stones and he was obviously rewarded for it. I think that they both are great. Obviously Brady's the one that plays. So if I had to lean one, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go that way too, but they definitely helped each other, and um, I hope they have a, you know, they probably don't hug, but, you know, just a nice prolonged gentleman handshake, maybe a little, hopefully some eye contact, just a little, like, you owe it, you owe it to each other, especially with these reports of, like, you know, Brady wanted to meet face-to-face to talk about leaving, and, you know, Belichick couldn't be bothered, and he took it over the phone, and um, will the pants be off for this game? I mean, that's the question where we're getting, getting to. <laughs> pants are always off for football, bud. You know that. Oh, Jesus. 20 years, though. I mean, in this country, not a lot of people stay married for 20 years. So they stay married for almost 20 years. Uh, and it went pretty well. And you know what? He, uh, he like Lafayette said, he, he got divorced, found the, you know, the hot girl 12 years younger, put her, you know, put on his arm for the last home stretch. And uh, he's, he's wearing it pretty well. All right. Biases aside, do you think the Patriots can win this game in Foxborough? I do because that secondary is bad. Like coming into the season, they are very bad. Fully healthy, they're bad. Like and this this Pats team, I think this Pats defense is strong. I do think that they probably forced them to run. They've kind of done that so far this year. I think it stays close. Yeah, Yeah. I got the Bucks, but I think it stays close. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun. I probably won't have anything on it. Maybe I'll chase your Jacoby Myers. Some uh, some props that are are not emotionally tied, but uh, it'll be fun. I'm glad it's in prime time. It'll be a good game. Yeah, I'm glad that Eagles game was in prime time too. <laughs> oh, what a miserable night that was. 
Lafayette, you're the man. This went uh, as awesome as I thought it would be. Fun, so, guys. Uh, tell everyone where they can find your stuff, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again for having me on, fellas. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, Lafayette underscore D on Twitter, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and everything at awesomeo.com, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. You're looking for fantasy football content. We got that channel, DFS channel, Odds channel, all that good stuff. So appreciate it, boys. This is a lot of fun. Always. We'll have to do it again soon. So uh, don't forget to uh, come back for Friday. We'll be doing our prop show. We'll go deep with prop stars and Connor and I uh, looking at the rest of the slate as it kind of is unpacked here. And again, don't forget to download the WinBet app, promo code 444. Take advantage of that risk-free $1,000 bet. So for Lafayette and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you on Friday.